I'm Ebony K. Williams, your attorney at law and host. Welcome to Holding Court, where we analyze the very latest legal headlines everybody's already talking about. We dig into how the courts impact the culture. We break it all down for you, and we go straight from gavel to your news feed. And I promise you this, y'all, every single week, we're going to keep it a buck, keep it 100. Right, Dustin Ross? That's right, Ebony. Let's go ahead and hold court. Let's do it. Dustin Ross, my darling, how are you? How was your weekend? Tell me everything. How you? How you well, doing? I'm, I'm doing much better now that I hear your voice. You know, it's it's one of the reminders that we made it through. Okay, sometimes you got to ask yourself <laughs> how I got over. All right, and here we are on Monday morning. So yes, from the rough side of the mountain. Listen, so it's <laughs> okay. funny you say that. Because I spent most of my weekend watching documentaries. I forget, and I actually had a, mm. <laughs> all jokes aside, I had a moment where I was like, you know what? Not for nothing. This is actually where Black History Month becomes really valuable, in my opinion, because it forces yes. the hand right of all of these platforms to give us all this amazing yes. Black content. So, child, it was back to back. They are. And they are. So I was I watched uh, the Henry Louis Gates documentary about the black church. Speaking of getting to the other side. Oh, yes. Yes. I highly recommend the PBS doc, right? Yeah. It's on, and it's on demand. Yes. So, you know, go ahead and check that out. It's really fascinating. And I have to say also, not for nothing, I felt very blessed because like 70 percent of the 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 clergy featured. I've seen these people preach live. So I just felt like. Like, you know, wow, I must be doing something right. And God is putting me in really anointed places because I'm really bearing witness. Ordering to the best your of steps, the best. girl. Order my steps in your word. Do, do, <laughs> yes. do. Listen, um, okay, I'm done. I'm you, better, done. you better have your praise break, Ebony. Listen, I'm done with you. Uh, see, this is the trouble that Dustin Ross gets me into, y'all. It's it's ridiculous. Um, yes, the good that, trouble, I, like my man John said. Like, oh, listen, and he just had a birthday, of course, mm-hmm. over the weekend. So shout out to uh, the great, late, great John Lewis. I, I do want to offer this to you, That's Dustin, right. too. I, I got a, a a really sweet text message from one of my um, little queen sisters. Her name is Nia Franklin. Nia was Miss America. Yeah, okay. shout out to that. Not long ago, she was one of the five black queens wow. that represented at the highest level. And she says just some sweet things to me. And then she said, also, I am loving, loving, loving holding court. It's so good. It's so informative. And it's so uh, fun. And doesn't, not for nothing, I told her, and I, you should know this as my co-host, this is really the, the, the my favorite thing to do coming to do this show with wow. you every week and you know creating the content and creating the um the docket and 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 selecting which people we have the privilege of interviewing yes. and sharing those I don't know I just want you to know that I want yes. our jurors to know that um I hate to play favorites but um you know not really this is just unadulterated <laughs> my favorite thing that I do <laughs> and just keeping it a buck you know? Listen, I love being a part of it. I love being a part of it, Ebony. And this has been such an, an eye-opening experience for me in so many ways. So just know it's not lost on me. I'm happy to be here, girl. Oh, all right. Well, speaking of that and the privileged uh, position we're in to, to tell these stories, we have a very, yes. very uh, exceptional brother joining us today. His name is Jimmy Dennis. Jimmy Dennis, y'all, this is so wild. He was wrongfully convicted of murder and sentenced to death Jesus at Christ. the young age of 21. This was back in 91. Uh, and, and as so many times is the case, one out of one out of nine times to be exact, 
this man, this young man sentenced to death was exonerated in the year 2017 after serving Dustin. He was on death row for 25 years, 25 years of his young life from the age of 21 to 46, gone gone on death row prime and of his life literally the prime of his literally life. i mean so much of his life. exactly where you and i sit today this man was behind bars yes. on death row during our age like that's wild this wild. is shameful only yeah. for a, a, a appell, appellate court to realize actually we have no evidence to convict this brother he was then exonerated he was released but they're not trying to run him his money they're not trying to run him his money. The city of Philadelphia is being a hot-ass mess. We're going to get to all of the tea. We're going to hear it straight from Jimmy Dennis himself later on in the show. That's um, right. But, but, but also, his story is one of triumph and of perseverance and of resilience. And, and we want to highlight that, too. We're going to get to it, Dustin. But first, of course, we got, a, yeah, we got a very full docket today, honey. Cha -cha, people were just getting into the mess. Mm -hmm. We got to cover it all. Uh, so so let's many things. To it. All the things. <laughs> all the buckets, honey. First up on our docket, uh, a, a name we're all too familiar with, uh, Central Park Karen, Amy Cooper. Okay, Amy Cooper, y'all remember, oh was my God. the ridiculous white woman who, uh, upon a very respectable brother by the name of Christian Cooper, asked this woman to follow the law, okay, and ma'am, please put your dog on a leash. By him asking that, uh, she just lost her shit, uh, started fake crying and shits, uh, called the cops, actually called 911 and specifically said an African-American man was threatening her, uh, emphasizing, of course, his blackness uh, to to do exactly what white women and white people have done for years. Dustin use that white female fragility, that bullshit that caused people their lives. It is terrible. So after all of that, him killed. That's what she was trying to do. Yeah. That's exactly what she was trying to do. No less. No less. Um, because when you call the cops on a black person, particularly unwarrantingly, you know that it could cost them their life. It could cost them their life as it has so many exactly times. exactly what she was doing. Yeah. Yeah. So she did all that bullshit. It was massive, you know, national news as it should have been. And ultimately she was arrested. She was arrested for falsely reporting an incident to the police. I'm here to report, Dustin, that those charges have now been dismissed, okay? But I want to break down... <laughs> oh, that's sarcasm. See, people were, were DMing me, Dustin, right. when they read these headlines like, oh my God, I can't believe... Literally, I can't believe... Like, why? We know for a fact she's guilty of the charges um, that were presented mm -hmm. against her. Okay, so I want to break down what has happened mm -hmm. here. I talked about this on The Breakfast Club, and what is good for the goose has to be good for the gander. Amy Cooper is a recipient of a program informally uh, and formally known as deferred prosecution. Let me tell you what it is, D. Deferred prosecution says, okay. um, we're not really going to focus on the guilt or innocence of, of what you did or didn't do. What we're going to do is allow you the opportunity. We deem the alleged crime to be non-threatening enough, which is whatever, uh, that you deserve a second chance if you complete certain requirements. I've seen everything from community service, anger management. Uh, in this case, she needed to complete, because of the nature of her racist-ass crime, um, a therapy program and a psychoeducational program that focused on racial equity. Okay? So she basically went to a stop being a fucking racist class. Okay. And then the DA, the district attorney, decided to go ahead and support a dismissal of her charges. That is what happened. 
I, I call complete and total bullshit. Um, this was not a traffic ticket or a moving violation. Mm. I know that normally they cut those kind of deals when you get a ticket. You know, you come show up, mm-hmm. you take a, a, a driving class or whatever, and you don't get points on your license, blah, blah, blah. Well, this ain't that. She intentionally right. went out of her way to try to have this man harmed and put him in harm's way because she was pissed off. And, you know, I blame him. Some of this is on him because I remember after uh, she started yeah, losing gigs and shit. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? He wanted her to be hanging with Mr. Cooper. You know what I'm saying? I, I just, I'm, I'm I'm so over this and I'm tired of these people being, having these things brushed off and, and slept, swept under the rug. It's just not right. They should have made an example out of her so that people would stop doing the very thing that she did. This is bad to me. You know, you make a good point, Dustin, which is that Christian Cooper, uh, the black man involved in all of this, you know, he he made it easy. He made it easy for the DA and her defense lawyer to strike this deal. Yep. Now, I want to be clear here. Uh, alleged victims, uh, witnesses in cases like this, in criminal cases. No, they don't control. They don't control what happens, but they absolutely can influence. Right. So yes. if, if he yes. had taken the posture, let's pretend Christian Cooper was Dustin Ross for a minute. Let's just pretend. <laughs> OK. OK. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I have a feeling you would have when the D.A. called you and said, hey, Mr. Ross, we're considering doing a deferred prosecution deal with Amy Cooper and letting her take a anti-racist ass class and dismissing her charges. You would have been like, hold the line. Hold the fuck up. I don't Hard appreciate stop. it. Full stop, hard stop. I don't like it. I don't appreciate it. I don't feel that is in the name of justice. And and by a victim and witness doing that, Dustin, it does add pressure to the district attorney prosecutor's office. And in this case, there was no pressure. So, of course, this was done with a lot of ease. And I, I agree with you. I think they're, I was, I was. Listen, you can't have it both ways. Yeah. They had the outrage when it took place. And this was something that people were talking about all over the country, all over the world, even. And now that it's time to have some accountability or punishment or, you know, or something now done to make this right. Yeah, yeah. that does, it doesn't work like that. You can't have it both ways. And I blame Christian Cooper for this. I blame him for setting the tone for a lazy, passive approach to really rectifying this situation. Mm. This is a damn shame, Ebony. And I agree with you completely. He he really set the tone. You nailed it. Christian Cooper set the tone for a soft-ass prosecution here, and that's what we're yeah. seeing. A dismissal of all charges. She will resume her life. She will wear no conviction. There will really be no evidence that this even happened. And uh, that's, that's, that's due to... That's a shame, and it really lays a precedent for why it continues to happen. And it's a damn shame. All right, next up on our docket is really one of probably my top three favorite artists in this generation. Um, You know, I'm an Mm. old school R&B bitch, Dustin. You know, literally on my typical rotation. Let me tell you what you liable to hear (laughs) up in this house anytime. You're going to hear Anita (laughs) Baker, okay? You're going to hear Brian McKnight. You're going to hear Donnell Jones, okay? (laughs) Where I want to be, okay? That's what you're going to (laughs) be. Yes, Ebony, yes, the classic, the classic shit, that's right. When people were actually fucking singing, singing. All right, Mm -hmm. but you know, I'm a Mm -hmm. woman of a particular Mm -hmm. age. Sometimes our jurors get on us about that. But one person that- That's right, that just means we know better. We do, we do, we do. But one person that really, to me, still 
um, highlights real vocal ability and just innovative artistry is her. Um, the artist, her. Yes. I think she kills it. I, I gave her flowers on the Super Bowl performance of America. The Be- you know, she's a musician. She's a vocalist. She's a she's a visionary artist. And I I adore her. Long story short, uh, there's a, a an artist and a songwriter who's suing her for three million, saying that she and her team lifted uh, the hook of focus, you know, which was for many of us, our introduction to her, you know, she's Mm, her. her, Yeah. So her is a prodigy. If you go back, she's been, you know, on the radar since she was a, like a seven or eight year old little girl. But when she really hit big time, Dustin was the release of focus, focus on me. Right. Yeah. And basically Mm -hmm. a brother by the name of Andre Sims, he's a pianist. He's a songwriter. He says that he was performing uh, his own original music and, that DJ Camper, okay, who helped produce her focus track, liked the melody of his song. It was called it's called Endless Minds. And then DJ Camper made slight adjustments, slowed it down a little bit, and basically that became the hit focus. Okay. Um, that many uh-uh. would, Yeah, that's what they're saying. And so if you go to Jasmine Brand, a uh, shout out to my sore Jasmine over there, Jasmine Brand, who's always giving great content. So there's an IG live, Dustin where DJ Camper is talking about the song. He he admits on this IG Live okay. that he did hear Endless Minds by Andre Sims. He says, quote, that was special. So I was on Instagram and I'm scrolling and there's this guy that I follow, a crazy piano player, okay? And he had this like little warm-up he had. So he's calling it a warm-up. Uh, and he did. And I'm like, man, this is crazy. And it's kind of similar to the focus melody. So I took that. And it inspired me to play it. I changed it up a little, put a beat, slowed it down, boom. Okay, and then he goes on to say more. You can go to Instagram and check that out. But then, now Sims, uh, the piano player Sims, did file this lawsuit back in 2020. He says that he sent cease and desist desist letters, rather, um, prior to the actual litigation, asking them to halt anything that had his, his works in it. And nobody was responsive. Her didn't say shit. DJ Camper didn't say shit. Sony Music didn't say shit. Nobody says shit. So that's what led him to go forward. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> he was quiet on all fronts. And so that's what led him to go forward with the actual okay. lawsuit. Now, here's where the Jasmine brand interview comes in. She actually interviewed Andre Sims directly. He says this. As creatives, you know, we are all trying to be creative and do things. We shouldn't take from each other. We shouldn't do this kind of thing, especially in our African-American culture of music. These are the things that that are birthed in a lot of the culture, in the genres, and to support each other more so than to just take. So it was just kind of disheartening to discover this kind of information. And I was really hoping that I would at least get an apology. So that tells me basically that I don't even know if Andre Sims was worried about this shit. It was actually DJ Camper talking too damn much on the Instagram that led to all of this. Yeah. You know, yeah. you you basically yeah. you outed yourself as lifting this man's um, aspect of his music and his song. So it, here's the here's here's the real reason that I went to talk to you about this, Dustin. It's a mess, but in reality, uh, there might be some validity to this man's claim, as you just said. We need to learn more. Then I get on the good old Facebook, and one of my sores and colleagues, uh, a really fantastic attorney, 
by the name of Sharice. Shout out Sora Sharice. Uh, she says this. Clicks on article, and this is the article about the Jasmine Brand interview with uh, Andre Sims. Clicks on article, sees the lawyer representing the plaintiff, rolls eyes. So then one of the comments uh, on her mm. page, a brother was like, what does this mean to us that don't have the inside scoop? Uh, Sora attorney Sharice says, Jonathan Richards is the is the lawyer representing this brother, and he's the same lawyer that tried to sue Howard University for his client, Tyrone. That was the young man that went viral during the alleged financial aid scandal, which, of course, became a meme uh, and all that. Right. So here's the moral of the story, Dustin. I don't know whether or not her and DJ Camper and the team lifted the man's song or not. I don't know. It remains to be seen. But I know this. Your attorney matters a lot. The credibility of who is representing you in your case could immediately cast legitimacy to your claim or immediately cast scrutiny and doubt and speculation. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Knowing now that the lawyer representing Mr. Sims is that same one that represented the Howard University financial aid scammer, does it change things for you? So much to unpack here. To answer your question, yes, it does change things because it makes it even more of a mess than I already thought that it was. So this is a bunch of people talking too much, not being right. advised properly, not seeking correct counsel. If you're going to make a claim like this, you don't just want an apology. You want to check. And this is a situation where once the right legal hands get on this, that's who's going to come out victorious because right now they're all playing a really ghetto game. And I think that they need to take this seriously, especially her, because she's literally at the top of her game, right. getting nominated for Best Original yes. Song, you know, Academy Awards and Golden Globes this season. She's at a good point. So mm -hmm. I, if I were her, I would <laughs> literally, if I were her, I would protect myself <laughs> well, I, in I this case. What, I see what yeah. you did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would protect myself because this is a bunch of mess. This is a bunch of coonery looks like to me. And so I don't want to be looking at her any kind of sideways and thinking that any level of her success is rooted in the disinterest and the, uh, the undermining of another black artist. I don't like that. So she needs to clear it up. I don't like it at all. Look how Ed Sheeran handled it when, um, they, when he had the monster hit the shape of you. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, it, it referenced the melody from no scrubs immediately. Yep. They added tiny and candy mm -hmm. as writers on the song gave them their credit yep. and kept it moving that's called keeping and it that's how you do that's that. what you do in situations like this don't even let it that get nasty put the man on the song and give him what belongs to him you didn't say it you took the shit give him what he is give him what he's <laughs> owed you know give him what he's owed keep it as you say dustin i love that keep it player and then it goes away and then it's not a distraction point right but Brother Andre Sims, uh, you might want to just reconsider your counsel because, Please. you know, you don't want an attorney representing what could be a valid legal claim when his own credibility is jeopardized. Y'all, I can't tell you enough. Criminal court, civil court, it don't matter. When yeah. you go to court with a legal claim, you are only as credible as your motherfucking attorney. That's Period. the truth. That's the truth. Period. Next up, you know, I already don't like talking about Kim Kardashian's ass. And here we go. Oh, okay. God. The culture demands all of the headlines. Yes. We saw, as it had been rumored for months, but I refuse to bring it on holding court because we don't do rumors on this show. No, okay? we don't. We don't do Facts rumors. only. 
facts only. So now that there has been an actual legal filing for divorce, we are here to let the folks know it is official. Kim Kardashian West has now filed for divorce from Kanye West. Uh, shocking no, but now it has finally come to pass. Let me, before we get into the legalities of it, Dustin, initial response from you. What'd you think? Don't give a shit. Uh, I have no dog in this fight. I don't care. I hate to see small children uh, um, have to relearn their home environment. You know, that breaks my heart for those kids. I know there's going to be an adjustment to time, you know, for them. But other than that, I literally do not give a damn. I could care less. Yeah, I uh, I don't do Kim Kardashian. We'll talk about that on another episode. I don't do the mm-hmm. whole Kardashian empire. It just, it, it is not aligned with my value system. Let me say it like that. Uh, That's right. However, here we are, and I agree with you in full. My only concern here is the fact that Kim and Kanye laid up and had four young children uh, together. And four of na- them. Four, like not one. Y'all laid up and had four babies. And now these young, uh, innocent children are going to be uh, forever impacted uh, by by their parents. And and, and that's really concerning to me. I do hope that Kanye and Kim are able to do as they are indicating so far. And that is enjoy a a mutually agreed upon and amicable co-parenting situation. There were some questions out there, Dustin, as to whether or not Kanye's well-documented mental health challenges, his bipolarism and things of that nature were going to impact the custody. It's being reported that it will not that Kim and Kanye have already agreed to a joint uh, physical and sh- uh, shared custody of the children. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so that that's that. Fair. I think that's fair. I think that's in the best interest of the children. Uh, and yes, they will have that joint joint custody. Now let's talk about the money. Okay. So these are two very, very, very rich individuals. And then collectively they have an empire worth of rest, rough estimate, 2.1 billion with a B. Okay. Let's break it down about what, yeah, I know about 1.3 billion of that. So roughly a little over half is, is to Kanye. And that's from everything his Yeezy line, the music, the catalog, all the, all the things. And uh, his wealth is tied up in, in most of his apparel company. So it's not liquid, but that's still an obscene amount of money. Kanye will keep that. Kim Kardashian is worth uh, a hefty uh, $780 million or so. That's almost a billion herself. And that's the KKW beauty brand. Mm-hmm. That's um, all of her endorsement deals, the modeling contracts, the keeping up with the Kardashian checks, you name it. Um, so she's mm-hmm. she's got almost a billion in the game as well. They've got a lot of property, about $70 million worth of property, the Calabasas home, the art, the jewelry, the vehicles. And apparently this was interesting to me, Dustin. They own livestock. The hell kind of animals y'all got over there? Livestock? I'm not kidding. That must be that ranch he has up in uh Oh, Wyoming. oh Wyoming. Yeah. yeah okay. It must be at that ranch. Yeah. He got some, he got some goats over there. Because I know she ain't got no heifers. Yeah, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this divorce. Um, I'll leave that for the social media uh, detectives. But now that it is official, Kim has officially filed for a divorce from Kanye. Uh, we just had to break it down for you here with the legalities. I don't expect there to be any major litigation points here because th- this was really, yeah. I want to say this, Dustin, it was really, they went into this marriage with a clear cut articulation as to what would happen in the case of a divorce. You know, their prenup was very clear, Yeah. Um, but you know, 
this was Kanye's first marriage, but this is Kim's third marriage. Let's be clear. So she already knew exactly how to orchestrate these types of prenups and custody agreements and things like that before she went into the marriage to begin with. And listen, prenups are not romantic, but I tell people, I tell you all the time, Dustin, you are building an empire here. You better not get married without no prenup. I'm going to have something to say about it. You got to protect yourself. You have to. And it's a Mm -hmm. protection for your spouse as well. It really is. Um, Like I said, I, you know, I'm clear. I, I don't do broke men. Um, I won't do it and, and I won't ever do it again. So I'm definitely having a That's prenup right. to protect myself, but also to protect myself. Meaning this, if I'm marrying an extremely, right. <laughs> you already know what I'm, where I'm going, right? If I'm marrying a billionaire, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I don't want a bounty on my head, Dustin. I don't want it. What we're going to do is we're going to already no. predetermine a reasonable amount uh, that I would leave that marriage with based off of the longevity of the marriage, any children born into the marriage. We're going to predetermine those things so that this person, this man is not sitting over here cuckoo crazy thinking uh, it's worth the risk of killing my ass as opposed to giving up his entire fortune. See, people don't think about it that way, but a prenup can be protective in a, in a multitude of ways. Multitude. That's right. I don't want that smoke either, personally. Let's figure it out on the front end so that (laughs) we can split amicably on the back end. On the back end. Amen. Okay, so with that, we're going to pay some bills right quick. Speaking of all this money, uh, we're going to take a quick break, but stick with (laughs) us. We got a lot more holding court when we come back. All right, you guys, welcome back to Holding Court. Now, speaking of splitting up assets, speaking of, as Dustin Ross talks about, uh, keeping it player on the front end and the back end. Let me yes, tell you who didn't. Yes. Let me tell you who didn't, though, D. <laughs> it's Poe's sister from North Carolina. And, and I say Poe, but not really. Uh, Marie Holmes, she went viral a couple years ago. <laughs> this woman in North Carolina, my home state, she won $188 million. From Powerball, okay? And she went viral, Dustin, because I know it's a lot of money. She won a bunch of money, and then she used about $600,000, over half a million dollars, uh, to pay the bail for her then-fiancé. And folks was talking shit, as you might expect. I remember that. You remember that, right? I remember that, yes. Yeah, and then she had a lot to say, too. She was talking real slick. You know, they talked about Jesus. Y'all worried about me. Don't worry about my money. Don't worry about how I'm spending my money. And she was talking Mm -hmm. all that. Okay, well, fast forward. She's now (laughs) seeing a different story. Right, surprise, surprise. Here's the tea. uh, Her then-fiancé, Lamar McDowell, uh, he, he's been in and out of jail, really the whole relationship. Okay. And he's uh, been in and out of jail on serious charges. I'm talking about a uh, heroin laundering, all kinds of shit. So when she first won the money, Dustin, Damn. she put up that 600 grand to get him out. He very quickly went back in for some other charges during the course of the relationship. I'm going to break down some of the gifts that he's alleging that she bought him. He's saying she gave a $250,000 modified Chevrolet Stingray. Real quick, $250,000 for a Chevrolet, though? That's wild. Okay, but go ahead. Right. Then she, <laughs> right. Then uh, $100,000 right. worth of clothes right. and jewelry, um, $600,000 mm. for an auto restoration business that he's claiming she gifted him with, and a, a bunch of other purchases. Mm. Uh, he is now suing her for all of that, okay, and saying that those were all gifts that she had given him. 
and he wants his shit back, even though they are now broken up and he's heard she's dating someone else. So that's the messiness of this. Now let's get to the law. I'm okay, just... does it work like that? Nah, let me tell you the problems here. Now, the law does yeah. make space for gifts. Okay, the law does make space for if you are indeed authentically gifted something, it is yours. The problem here, though, Dustin, okay. is it, was, it, it, it wasn't handled right. Now, again, this is about to sound really unromantic, what I'm going to suggest, but it works. The problem here is that the car, let's go with this $250,000 Corvette. <laughs> guess who named the title? Heavy in? Chevy. Yeah. That, yeah, that's a lot. Uh, uh, guess guess who named the title is in, though, Dustin? Marie Holmes's. Who's? Marie Holmes's. Of course. Okay, this business, this uh, $600,000 auto restoration business, guess who's legally owning it right now? Marie Holmes. Uh, Marie Holmes. Yeah, yeah, you know, and so now the, the story goes that her name's on the title and she legally owns this stuff because... Uh, he was he knew he was about to do a seven year bid. He ended up being convicted of that 2014 heroin charge. He was uh, sentenced to seven mm -hmm. years. He knew he was going in the pen, as we call it down south. And he was saying to put everything in her name to protect the assets. Right. We see this all the mm. time. People know they're in trouble with the IRS or they're going to go go away for a bid. And they tell their family members, their mom and them, their girlfriend, whoever, to put their yeah, children yeah. to put the assets yeah. to protect them so they're not seized. Problem yeah. is that works both ways. She is the legal owner of all that shit, Dustin. The problem is, sir, you have no evidence to prove that they were indeed gifts. Absent a document that we can call uh, a certificate of gifting, that's something you could take to court and enforce the gifts be returned to you. I think this is just a waste of everybody's time, Ebony. It, it really is. And, you know, again, this is something that we, for those in relationships, um, particularly those that are not married, marriage relationships, because once you're married, then in most states you form some level of community. And then they, then that's when you can acquire legal rights to things. Um, I'll say this from personal experience. Um, I have had just one relationship where I received any significant mm -hmm. gifts. OK, before that, child, it was mm -hmm. a hot mm -hmm. ass mess. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Look, God bless the broken road, okay? Listen, listen, order my steps. What we say earlier. Okay, order my steps. <laughs> order my father. Order them in a different direction, Father. Order order them affluently, Father That's God. Right. Okay. So yes, Lord. Nearer <laughs> to thee. <laughs> I won't I won't do it with you, Dustin. Okay, so but what I knew what I knew in the one relationship I had that did uh manifest yes. uh you know some really good gifts is it was up to the whim of my former partner as to whether or not I would be able to retain those gifts. If he came tomorrow and said, hey, I need uh, those earrings back, that bracelet back, I have to give that man his shit back. Period. 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 You know, and yep. that's the way it is. It yep. was a it was a fucking gift. And we we had no marital uh, contract agreement and it is what it is. And I'm not going to sit here and play myself and waste money trying to follow litigation to retain some gifts. If he wanted me to have them, then, you know, and and, and I, you know, was parted with an extremely um, generous and just a, just a stand up guy. He kept it player, as you would say. And, yeah, um, yeah, you know, yeah, 
you know, he 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 didn't he had the class and decency to not ask for anything that he had given me back. And by the way, likewise, I, I'm a very gifts are my love language. Let me just spend some time yeah. here opening up. OK, mm-hmm. gifts are my love language mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. both like to receive them, but I actually really love giving them. And I am an excellent yes. gift giver. OK, um, yes, you are. You know, um, it's like, you know, if you are a high level executive, you don't need to be going to work with no raggedy ass canvas backpack okay you not on my watch not on my watch you don't you know so we had to go ahead and make that a louis vuitton situation okay get that real nice real Mm -hmm, understated mm -hmm, real mm -hmm. understated it wasn't all monogrammed or none Mm -hmm. of that shit real classic you know a nice epi leather situation okay it's a nice piece yes the epi leather yes come on now you already know how i do dustin classic you know so that you can go to work and reflect the work that you do I'm not so I'm not raggedy. I'm not going to. What do I look like? Okay, we're not together. Can I get my backpack back? Come on now. It's raggedy. Are you kidding me? Stop it. Stop it. Um, My only thing is, Marie, consider this a lesson learned Mm -hmm. uh, because we hear those lottery horror stories all the time. Right. So just keep it cute. Yes, it's your money to do with what you want. But as you see, Marie, sometimes people will absolutely bite the hand that feeds them. That is the moral of this story. So listen, we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, this interview, I've promised y'all. Brother Jimmy Dennis, uh, locked up at the age of 21, convicted and put on death row. 25 years later, exonerated. Exonerated. But 25 years of your life lost, the city of Philadelphia owes this man some major bread. They're not trying to pay Dustin. We're going to ask Jimmy all about it. More of that when we come back to Holding Court. Welcome back to Holding Court, y'all. As promised, we are now going to have a very important and heartfelt and insightful conversation with a brother who knows firsthand all too well the devastation of the death penalty, and that is Brother Jimmy Dennis. Jimmy, welcome to Holding Court, brother. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, no, the pleasure truly is, is, is ours yes. because what you have gone through and what you now represent is it's enormous. So we've already kind of shared with the jurors, Jimmy, that at the age of 21, I mean, really barely even an adult, you were yeah. sentenced uh, to, to death row for uh, the killing of um, Shadell Ray Williams in back in 1991. And then, of course, you were exonerated. Because there was really no evidence to convict you in the first place, right? That's right. Um, that is correct. Yeah. Could tell us a little bit about that. We know there was no forensics, no DNA, no so, murder weapon. And then you right. were even the same height as the no. alleged person. Tell us about it, Jimmy. No. So just to set it up for your listeners, um, they said that there were three perpetrators to the crime, but I was only uh, ever the person that was stolen away. That's number one. Number two, they said the perpetrators were 5'10 to six foot tall, 180 to 200 pounds, and dark skin complexion. I stand five foot four. I weighed at the time 125 pounds. And as you've seen my pictures, you know that I'm brown skin complexion. It was all based and done on police corruption. There, uh, two police officers by the name of Jaskrimski and Santiago. 
and a prosecutor, corrupt prosecutor as well by the name of Roger King orchestrated this nightmare that I wound up living on death row for 25.5 years. Any type of DNA evidence that would exonerated me, they destroyed. Uh, mm. People people confessing to the crime, they kept hitting for years. Any, any other leads and suspects to the crime, they buried for numerous years and it didn't matter. Everything you just laid out, that mm-hmm. covering up evidence, that mm-hmm. not bringing forward other potential perpetrators of the crime, those are what we call violations of the Brady rule. Okay, let me yes. just hit everybody to some legal game. I know you know all about it. I'm sure you're a pellet team. Uh-huh. You could probably sit for the bar exam right now, Jimmy. <laughs> but listen, yeah. um, the Brady rule, everybody, is a rule that requires prosecutors to put forth any evidence that could potentially exonerate a defendant. Okay, any evidence that could go to um, proving the, the innocence or questioning the guilt of the defendant, the prosecutor is required to disclose to the defense without being asked. Okay, that is what a constitutional ruling now known as the Brady rule requires prosecutors to do. And in Jimmy's case, they did the opposite. Not only did they not disclose that uh, exonerating evidence to your team, Jimmy, they went above and beyond to hide it, to conceal it and make sure that it never saw the light of day during your trial. And for that and that alone, your whole conviction had to be thrown out. That's right. Mm -hmm. That is that is absolutely Correct. And um, this went on for years. You know, I didn't come home into 2017. So the amount of corruption is immense. Um, Lie after lie, Mm -hmm. uh, corruption after corruption with these police officers in DA. Now, let me ask you this, Jimmy. You said you come home in 2017. When did your appellate process start? Because people don't realize how long it takes to even get a wrongful conviction overturned. So August 21st, August 21st 2013, mm. the Honorable Judge Anita Brody, who handled the NFL cases for the old players to get their proper compensation, mm-hmm. she had the courage um to do what was right. And I was blessed by her because this is one of the first times ever in this country, as you know, Mm -hmm. where you will read a federal legal opinion and it said James A. Dennis was wrongfully convicted for a crime that he did not commit. That doesn't Mm -hmm. happen much at all. You know, right? So that's when I was exonerated by the federal district judge, the Honorable Judge Anita Brody. Brody, Mm -hmm. In that 46... uh, legal opinion, she lays out all the corruption of these police officers, the Scrimpsy and Santiago, and the mm-hmm. prosecutor, Roger King, in right. a scathing 46-page um, legal opinion that now helps other people come home. But I still wasn't immediately let go because the district attorney's office, uh, a DA who is corrupt by the name of Seth Williams, who mm-hmm. later went to jail Six months after I came home, he wow. appealed to the highest court um, in Pennsylvania, the Third Circuit Court. That's and then they said that it was a grave miscarriage of justice and I was innocent also. And that kind of got the ball rolling to me mm. coming home. But you see how long it took. I was going to say, so basically, even after 
you know, your process started, it was essentially five years from yes. the, you know, the, 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 the genesis of the process to you actually being returned to your family and your yes. children. Wow. Yes. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yes. And I think people need to sit with that and understand that when you are sentenced to, to death, you are, let's start, let's back up. When you are convicted of this level of crime, period, your whole life changes. But when you are put on death row, you know, one thing that you said in your, your interview to my, my good friend, Clay Kane, shout out to the Clay Kane show. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. You, you said this. While on death row, I've had my teeth in my mouth knocked down from the side just by being hit and jumped by both prisoners and set up by prison guards. And then this is it. Death row is a day-to-day assault on the human spirit. That broke my heart, Jimmy. That broke God. my heart. Um, that, is, mm-hmm. that is the truth about what happened to me. Listen, it's something to be in prison. Mm-hmm. But it's another animal to be innocent in prison and on death row. So every single day felt like somebody had a gun to my head playing Russian roulette. Wow. I had to deal with guards who had mental illness and were racist and prejudiced and prisoners who had their own psychosis. And then from me being in prison and having a light uh, on in a cell 24 hours a day, um, I developed PTSD and anxiety and panic attacks and depression that I didn't even understand and know that I was going through at the time. But I knew something was wrong because of how I constantly felt in trying to push through that mm-hmm. and overcome that. Um, it was incredibly horrible. And did the prison avail, I know I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask you anyway, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Did the prison avail any mental health resources to you while you were incarcerated? No, yeah. no, no. I don't mean to cut you off. No, but no, absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely not. Um, yeah. I go to therapy. I went to therapy today. Um, I'll be in therapy again later on this week. I go to therapy twice a week. Just let me say this so your listeners uh, and your jurors can understand that the only time that a mental health, quote unquote, expert comes around Mm -hmm. in prison is when multiple or when someone commits suicide Mm. in prison, then they want to walk around and check on everybody. So you can imagine Mm. that the guys are upset and they basically shun them and tell them to get out of here. That's a Because they don't care. Yeah, they didn't know. It is set up that way. Um, I want to talk about our prosecutors. Uh, people mm-hmm. know that I'm I'm a former public defender, Jimmy, I, I, and then I went into practicing uh, defense work for, in the private sector. But one thing I will tell folks is we need good black prosecutors because yes. who is prosecuting that case matters probably more than who's even the sitting judge. Am That's I right? right. That's right. Yeah. Am I, can you speak on that, uh, Jimmy? Because people, and I, and I want to, I want you to speak on it because you have a unique vantage point because your conviction was in, in very large part due to one of the most corrupt, racist, white supremacist prosecutors ever. And the gag is <laughs> he was black. The Indeed. gag is he was black. Roger yeah. King, a black man who was yeah. who was actually wears the um, horrific title of putting more folks on death row in the state of Pennsylvania than any other prosecutor. How about that? So this lends to when um, Chuck D says every brother is not a brother just because of skin color. So mm. when we talking about Roger King, 
when we talking about the other DA who I mentioned that went to prison six mm -hmm. months after I came home, who's home now, Seth Williams, mm -hmm. there's nothing black about them. That's mm -hmm. number one and number two. Roger King, if you Google his name and you look up this case, you look up the Lex Street murder case, this is a man who sent people to death row and put people in prison who he knew was innocent all because he wanted to be a judge, which he never got to be. He was willing to placate to folks to get where he wanted to go. And he went beyond the scope of doing wrong in every single case that he had. And actually, the FBI in the city of Philadelphia needs to do an audit on every single case that he's uh, been Touched. in charge. Uh, I agree. Absolutely. Because, I think everyone he touched. Yeah. Because William Niaz is another innocent man that Roger King sent to death row for something he didn't do. And then he wound up getting a disease and dying when he came home. There's another man by the name of Fred Thomas that had wrongdoing in his case, but died in prison because of diabetes. So there are countless mm. other people that I can name to you outside mm. of myself, Ralph Stokes, uh, Anthony Reed, and a multitude of high-profile cases where this man has been proven mm. to be corrupt, and it's just a click away from your finger. Let me say this. That's fucking terrible. But it's always an opportunity for justice, and it's never too late to do the right thing. Those are the words of Dr. King. So a lot a lot of uh, press and, um, and conversation has been made around the current Philadelphia district attorney, a man by the name of Lawrence S. Krasner. Now, he is being touted as a progressive prosecutor, somebody who is on the right side of justice. Now, I've not met uh, attorney, uh, District Attorney Krasner yet, but I'm going to. This is a personal invitation to holding court. We want you to come on the show. And we want to talk about the programs. I heard he's doing some really good programs and things to turn around the justice system there in Philadelphia. But I want to ask this sitting DA in the city of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, what the hell is being done? to right the wrongs of cases that came through his prosecutor's office that you just enumerated, Jimmy, the names of the brothers, the men and the women that were convicted under Roger King and these other corrupt uh, prosecutors that sat at the helm of that office. Those are fruit of the poisonous tree cases where if the prosecutor is corrupt, if the police officer is corrupt, the whole damn conviction must be questioned. Everything that you just said is absolutely true. Um, the one thing I will say about uh, Mr. Light Krasner is that uh, he has, uh, when he came in office, he's made situation better mm -hmm. than what it used to be. And one of the reasons that the Fraternal Order of Police want him out of office is because he's actually prosecuting police and he's let numerous innocent people um, out of prison that were innocent. So um, kudos to him for doing that work. Yeah, um, I heard good things about him. Every single person in this city know what happened to me, yet and still, I'm still fighting for a sense of justice. Well, that's what we're about to get to, where the motherfucking money resides, okay? That's right. Because, you know, you can't take 25 years of a young man's life, uh, give him a, a, a legal, like you said, you have what very few have, which is a judicial declaration of your exoneration um, in very clear terms, and then say, oh, but the city of Philadelphia doesn't pay. 
the exonerated. Yeah, yeah, I, I certainly acknowledge what you're saying, mm-hmm. and I uh, hear you very clearly. Um, you know, one could only hope that um everybody um would be behind me, mm-hmm. um just like you are, and um other people um are um for them to do the right thing by yeah. me and my family. Listen, um if they would apologize to me, um I would just be happy with that. But they but they never have and they never will. They um, owe you, brother. They owe you uh, so much more than you. an apology, yeah. bro, bro, yeah, brother. They say. owe right. you. I mean, I mean it's something. I mean look at it this way, Ebony. Um and your wonderful staff. Look at it this way. Imagine uh, Ebony Ebony being cut down in her prime before you went on to do all the great things that I know that you are doing now. As Langston Hughes said, it's a dream deferred. Mm. I was an R&B singer. I was a father. I was a son. I was a friend. And all that was stolen away from me. And trying to get it back now is a hard mountain to climb. But I'm committed to it, just like I'm committed uh, to being an advocate for other innocent people as well. Well, and exactly that. And that's Dustin's point, right? Which is that an apology. Okay. Yeah. Great. Whatever. Uh, you know, you need to be compensated for that loss of your, not just actual life, but to the points you're making now, Jimmy, the fact that who knows shit, you could have been on American Idol. You could have blown the whole way up. Well, all of those opportunities were stolen from you. And in yes. order to compensate you for you that go. theft, you need cash dollars okay uh really fucking apology i'm gonna speak for you on your behalf okay yeah. Uh, yeah. you need you need, a, you need a check yeah you need a check and 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 i don't i'm not here here for the city of philadelphia uh saying and the state of pennsylvania because this is actually a state issue that, that is that is why you are struggling to to collect pennsylvania does not compensate the wrongfully convicted uh but there are civil lawsuits available uh, like in the case of uh, Brother Chester Holman, who was given nine awarded. He wasn't given shit. He was awarded nine million for wrongfully spending 28 years in prison. So right. wh- how, where is your legal team on the civil lawsuit of it all, Jimmy? So we uh, have been in uh, civil litigation for the last um, three and a half years We're at the Third Circuit, uh, the mm-hmm. city of Philadelphia appealed one issue to the third circuit on a basis of immunity Mm. on the police officers having immunity, which is totally ridiculous because you understand the law just like I do. They have partial immunity. They don't have total immunity. And what they did to me was intentional. Um, And we can prove every single thing that they did to me from destroying evidence to taking the welfare receipt to prove my innocence Mm -hmm. uh, from acquaintance and burying it for years to checking out the homicide file with other evidence of my innocence in there and signing it out and then getting up on the witness stand and lying about it. So every single thing they did to me was intentional. And and to be perfectly honest with you, Ebony, Mm -hmm. what it's going to take is good people like yourself and Dustin to lift Mm -hmm. your voices up with me in unison and people all over the country to get them to do the right thing. That's right. That's just true That's for the right. matter. No, that is it. That's what yeah. I'm saying. That's yeah. why, you know, we want to get uh, the district attorney. We want to get uh, city council people. We want to get, we, we have to basically create a groundswell, a chorus. Yes. 
yes. of folks um, on your behalf and on behalf of other exonerated folks to say time's up on not compensating people that you already have taken so much from. Right. Thank you. Uh, Thank exactly you. that. And, and here's the T. Here's the T. Uh, the reality is you have had success with the Third Circuit before. So, Brother yes. Jimmy, we are going to pray deeply yes, on your behalf. Yeah, we. this has been a, a semi-gospel episode. You'll hear yep. when the episode comes out. <laughs> we've been singing hymnals and shit. Get your tambourine. <laughs> get your tambourine. Yeah, but seriously, we're going to go into prayer for you that the Third Circuit, again, uh, sees the light, sees uh, the wrongdoing to you, and sees right to, to do right by you. I do want to, you know, encourage folks to check out your social media accounts, check out your music. You are releasing new music and we want to have people support you. So, Dennis, where can people find you on social media? Uh, they can find me on Instagram, Jimmy Dennis Music. They can find me on Facebook. Uh, uh, Jimmy Dennis, you'll see me bald head, all white <laughs> with a beard. And uh, my latest single is on Spotify, iTunes. I'm on all music platforms title uh my latest single is an inspirational song called tears this year mm. you'll find four um songs there that i hope you enjoy um you said all you went and did it hate the skin i'm in is a uh song that i wrote um about the movement and what we going through in the country with george floyd and brianna teller and mm. tears this year is an inspirational song about everything that we done been through dealing with COVID, dealing with unemployment, people not having anything to eat, so on and so forth. So if everybody would check them songs out, Jimmy Dennis, Tears This Year is the latest single on all musical platforms. You name it, I'm there. Love it, love it. And we're going to, again, we're going to pray for you and pray for A, that the Third Circuit comes through for you. Pray Thank that you. Um, you get your compensation and pray that your healing continues. You know, because Thank that is so something much. that's not talked about enough, Jimmy. Yeah. You know, you might be out, you might be home, um, exactly. but 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 it'll never be the same. You know, right. it'll never be the same. Right. We we recognize that, brother. We love on you, we support you, and we're praying for you. Listen, Juris, uh, what a powerful interview from uh, brother Jimmy. Just uh, incredible is one thing to cover, right? Right, Dustin. It's one thing to cover the news headlines and the stories, but when you hear the firsthand experience. Um, of how this brother's life has been forever changed uh, by corrupt prosecution and police departments, uh, it, it, it hits different. Makes it real in a whole different way. Whole so, yes. different way. Um, listen, Jews, we want to thank you for embarking on this journey with us this episode. Thank you for listening. Please, y'all, do as you've been doing. We love it. Follow us, subscribe, give us a rating, give us an actual review. We sit and we read those over yes, our, our cups of morning coffee, okay? <laughs> uh, and we appreciate that. Y'all tell your friends and get the word out. And as always, y'all, our episode notes hit different. We give you resources. We give you links. Uh, you'll see in this week's episode, we're letting you know that one in nine folks are just like Jimmy. Uh, they are uh, put on execution for death row only to later be exonerated. Uh, you'll find out in those episode notes that 42% of the people on death row are black. And then 34% of them get ex uh, executed. It's wow. 34%. And guess how much of the population we make up, Dustin? 13. It's Jesus. a tragedy. It's a tragedy. So y'all check out those episode notes. Remember, Holding Court comes to you from Uppity Production. It's an association with Dossie Media and presented by the Black Effect Network from iHeartRadio. Audio services always coming from One of One Productions. Y'all check them out at oneofoneproductions.com. We appreciate and love y'all. Join us again next week when court will be back in session. And in the meantime, 
Stay safe. Wear your mask. Stay warm. It's cold out there, Texas. We are praying for you. We yes, are supporting we are. you. And always, y'all, read those what, D-Ross? Them terms and them damn conditions. Always. Appreciate y'all. <laughs>